All right, let's go. Welcome, friends. This is Patrick Steenberg, host of your podcast, Let's Go. Back in 1996, I had an idea, an inspiration, really, to create the Global Football Organization, and that's allowed me to travel to six different continents around the world to meet and travel and be around some incredible people. Today, I want to introduce you to Tommy Tuberville, one of the great college coaches of all time. Coach, where do I find you today? I am in Auburn, Alabama. I moved back here after I retired from coaching a few years ago and lived here most of the last 25 years, Patrick. I, I've actually got a business here, and, and uh, both my sons graduated uh, Auburn University. And, uh, you know, when you, wherever your kids are raised and they live, that's pretty much where you're going to live. That's a good place to call home, then. It's, hey, a, uh, it's a great place. You know, I was reading more about you and saw you grew up in Camden, Arkansas, and went to Harmony Grove High School there, and then on to Southwestern Arkansas University. Tell me something about your childhood days, maybe your high school days. You know, was there any big uh, mentors, people who really had a powerful influence in your life that, as you look back now, Tommy? Well, I grew up a military brat. My dad, at age 18, landed at Normandy and drove a tank all the way across Europe and won five bronze stars and a purple heart. He was a hero at age 18 and 19, and I couldn't get my kids out of bed at 18 and 19. And uh, <laughs> being a military brat, you know, you grew up in a, under a lot of discipline, and and uh, I love sports. My dad was uh, connected with uh, officiating basketball and football games, and so I got into sports and really enjoyed it. My 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 mentor over the years were my my coaches. Uh, I really, uh, I guess, I really looked up to guys like Tom Landry at the Dallas Cowboys at the time, and that's how I kind of got into sports. I got out of coaching high school in the state of Arkansas for a few years. Then I got into college coaching and uh, stayed there for the next, what, 35, 36 years. Yeah, really successful turn of events. Had you thought about being a, a coach when you were like in high school or so? You know, I guess I hung out with my coaches in high school and uh, they were pretty much my best friends. You know, we either worked out or, or uh, you know, I played basketball and I was just around, I was around my coaches more than I was my family. My mom and dad, they worked and and uh, I like what they did. I, I enjoy people. I'm a people person. I, I I love to travel. I love to be around and, and, and be very competitive. Somebody asked me one time, what made you get into coaching? It, you don't want to grow up. That's all you did. You know, if you're, if you get into coaching, you don't want to give up your high school and college sporting careers. So you just extend it by getting into coaching and, and staying around sports and competing, uh, in whatever sports you want to coach. Yeah, that's a that's a great way because you're you're playing a game and you're coaching young men who are and developing them as students, as athletes, and as men. Having had your your father in the military growing up, that you mentioned discipline. Talk a little more about that, Tommy. How that uh, became a part of your life. Well, he when he got out of the military in World War II, he stayed in the military. Actually, stayed all the way to the end of his life. Uh, he was actually on active duty on a training mission at age 53 and had a massive heart attack. But, you know, just being around him and going, I used to go down where he, he was part of the military and, 
and around a lot of those guys and saw the discipline, the training, the, the marching, the, the things that you did to be a military person. So you are what you grow up as. And, you know, I wore, used to wear the army fatigues and all those as a little guy growing up. And, and so being around coaches and military, uh, I kind of learned the, my values in life about, you know, handle yourself, how to handle other people, uh, do things the right way. And, uh, I tell you, military is a, is a great, uh, addition to our country. Uh, it's not, it's obviously now, uh, voluntary, but, uh, I, when I turned 18 in 1972, I barely missed Vietnam and, right. and we did not have, we had a draft number that year, but that was the year the draft ended. That's been a long time ago. And so I missed the, I missed the military part, but the coaching part and being in, around coaches, uh, I decided to get into coaching and and uh, and stay that course, and that's one of the reasons I'm I'm doing something different now. I'm kind of giving back and doing public service or trying to, uh, because I never was in the military. But I that's one thing I miss in life is uh, is not ever being in the military. Yeah, there was that period of time, you know, right after Vietnam that it, it wasn't real popular uh, to be in it, uh, but but now fortunately our country. I think prides itself in our military men, men and women. How about some of your, uh, you know, you grew up and kind of went, I guess, somewhat of a typical track where you were a high school coach and then assistant coach at various stops and then had some really successful head coaching uh, times at, at Ole Miss and at Auburn and at Cincinnati and Texas Tech. How about a couple adversities, Tommy, within there? I mean, that, you, don't, you don't just go to being 13-0 and and coach of the year like you did at at Auburn that year. Tell me about some of the tough times you had to overcome. Oh, you, you, you got tough times every day in coaching. I don't, because you got to remember now you're dealing with 120, 18, 19, 20 year olds. And it's never a different day. I mean, I mean, uh, the same day, everybody's got problems. Uh, all the kids, you're basically, basically their father. Uh, you, you know, they're away from home for the first time. And so you try to give them guidance and, a lot of times it's the first father they've ever had in this country. Unfortunately, now 50% of the kids have one or no parent and coaches are mentors. They're kind of their mothers or fathers away from home. And they learn as much now from the coaches that they deal with, whether it's assistant coaches or, or head coaches. Uh, so it's a great service. Let me tell you, I would hate to see this country if we didn't have team sports and have good coaches and, and people that can mentor, mentor these young kids, we'd have a lot more kids on the streets. But you, know, you go through tough times where kids' parents maybe get killed in a car wreck or, or die of cancer or brother or sister dies. Uh, you know, I went through some trying times, uh, as all coaches do, when you fight administration. You know, they, they try to tell you what to do, and they think they know more about what you know than uh, than anything else in terms of the coaching part. And so you have to fight your battles. But the one thing about coaching, you pick your battles, uh, you, you pick them and you do them for the right reasons. You fight what, for what you think is right. And you fight basically for the kids, for the players on your team to make sure they have everything that, that, that you can put in front of them to be successful in their four years. They're there. I used to tell them, I, you know, you, you, you get a degree, you're going to have to do that. You, you've got to go to class. I'm going to get, I'm going to pay for it. Uh, you know, that's one thing you can do. If, if you're going to be a starter, I mean, you're going to do that. But the one thing you're going to do while you're here coach or playing for me is you're going to learn self-responsibility, how to take care of yourself, how to wash your clothes, get up on time, 
pay your bills, do things and as a, an adult growing up. So when you leave, nobody is going to take care of you. You can take care of yourself. So I think that's really important about coaching. Yeah, it's, it's funny when when the, the common fan, I think, on the outside thinks about coaches and their adversities, they probably think about, oh, you lost this close game or, you know, you didn't get invited to this bowl game. You thought they don't think about the day to day adversity. Like you said, dealing with the 19 to 22 year old young men. Uh, that, that's the reality of coaching, isn't it? That's exactly right. It's never a dull moment because, uh, uh, you know, they, they're going to have their problems at home. Uh, they're on campus. Uh, they're going to obviously at some point going to struggle academically. They're going to have trouble doing things to, to make things right. Uh, they got to stand in those lines of earning their self a, a possibility of being a starter. And then you've got to keep that starting position. I tell you, it's a huge challenge. It's hard. I tell people this. You don't really realize what kids go through to pay, play college athletes, men and women, uh, in this day and time. It is a 365-day-a-year job. It's hard work, the lifting, the running, the preparation, mental, physical. Uh, it is a taxing deal. But, again, it's really taking place of a lot of things, especially military for a lot of these men and women coming up. They're not going through the military, but this is a kind of a substitute, you know, for learning things past high school and past parents. They get out on their own for the first time, but you still have a direction and a meaning of what you've got to learn to become a successful American citizen uh, down the line. Yeah, and you had a lot of success with young men on the field. I saw where you had 19 players drafted into the NFL. Maybe talk about a couple of those young men who were real leaders, uh, maybe even off the field, but guys who, who took leadership roles that helped them develop into future NFL players. You know, as an assistant and as a head coach, and that was just as a head coach at 19 that, that were drafted. But when I was at Miami, I had a lot of players that, that I coached. Uh, uh, Ray Lewis was one that uh, he came and, you never think he's going to be a great football player and ended up being one of the greatest of all times uh, going through the NFL and Hall of Fame. Uh, but he was he had a big heart. And I tell people this, that, you know, if you could go and tell the type of heart and the work ethic a young man could would have the four years you're going to have them, if you could look inside their chest and be able to tell that you wouldn't lose many games. But unfortunately, you can't do that. You've got to you, you've got to kind of guess you got to, I guess play God, so to speak, and kind of guess what he's going to look like and be like in four or five years. And that's all, all the coaches across the country's main objective is to try to figure out, are they going to work? Are they going to take advantage of what this country gives you? Uh, a chance for an education, a chance to become what you want to be. All it takes is hard work and perseverance. And uh, so if you do that, so I had him, I had uh, Dwayne Johnson, who's the rock. He played for me at Miami. Uh, uh, he turned out pretty successful. But uh, the couple of guys at my at uh, at Auburn that I coached were uh, Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams, number two and number four pick in the draft back in 2004. These two young men are now are having great careers just past playing. Uh, they're 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 both coaching. And then I had Deuce McAllister at, at uh, Ole Miss. But I had a lot of play player, even some hundreds of kids that don't go to the NFL, uh, I mean, you'd, you'd give them the shirt off your back because of what they did and how they did it and what they've achieved 
not just while they're on campus, but now what they've achieved after after getting out because of what they learned, not from me, just from me, but from the whole experience of being a college athletic uh, athlete. Yeah, that uh, that classroom of being a college athlete, especially a football player. And I've talked to a lot of folks, a lot of parents, you know, about the, the team aspect of football. There's no other game like it where you've got 11 people trying to move the ball one way and 11 trying to stop them from going. And within three to four seconds, total mayhem ensues and you adjust as, as it goes. And it happens, what, 150 times a, a day, a game. So it's all that going on. Um, what about what about some of your teams, Tommy, that may have overachieved? You know, you mentioned some of the great players, but sometimes the teams coaches remember are the ones who maybe weren't quite as talented but achieved over and above their talent level. Yeah, 1997 at Miami, we uh, we only had like 55 on scholarship that had been handed the second worst. Uh, probation period and sanctions uh, after SMU, the death penalty back in 1995. And uh, we only had 50, 55 players. We ended up winning eight games and uh, beating Randy Moss and Chad Pennington in the Motor City Bowl in Detroit that year. And we weren't supposed to win one or two games, but it, you know, again, it just, that's the reason I really love coaching. It's, it's the, it's the underdog in these kids that really, it really stand out. I mean, you got great players, and, and I was around a lot of great players that natural ability, but it's the ones that took true advantage of everything that they could do. And again, you'd hate to see this country without team sports. Uh, you know, I was American, uh, I was president of the American Football Coach Association about four years ago under Grant Taft. I had what 15,000 members, and I went to all these concussion meetings and things that that people are just kind of throwing darts at football. And if you gave a, a, a lot of the doctors and parents and a lot of lawyers across the country, they would, they would stop football today because they say it's too physical. But let me tell you something. There is, it is a physical sport and there are injuries, but yep. the trade-off of what we get thousands and thousands of kids of what they learn and pick up and take with them through life after the game of football is something that's uh, irreplaceable. So, uh, you know, we're being attacked right now. We just need to make sure we, we keep this game of football. Uh, we need to make it safe. We need to coach safe. We need to make these kids understand it is a very physical sport. Keep the head out of it, you know, just because our head is very valuable, obviously, to us. Well, the game is, has evolved and developed yet yeah, where coaches are being a lot smarter. The AFCA is doing a great job in, in leading the way towards that. Um, a good friend of mine, Coach Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan now, uh, he wrote a great letter a few years back. I'll, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's a letter to football moms. And that's exactly what he talks about is the value of the sport to the young men as as opposed to the, you know, the risk of injuries. Did you happen to see that? Tom? I, yeah, I've seen it. That was, I, I know Chris and, you know, I've, I've uh, yeah. you know, I've dealt with a lot of letters like that. Now I got a lot of letters being the president from parents that, that they just didn't understand why, why it was so important as, as Chris put in his letters, I just said a few minutes ago, the trade-off is phenomenal for what kids would get out of it. And again, unfortunately we do have deaths. We do have injuries. It is a physical sport, but it's something that is so hard to replace in life. The things that kids learn and they get out of the, the being, being give out tired 
have pushed themselves to the end. It's, there's not enough things that we have in this country. And, and again, it really takes, it takes place of a lot of parents and, and, uh, takes a lot of the place of, uh, of the military. Uh, a lot of, a lot of these kids do not go to the military like they used to. Yeah. There's, there's no other way to, to emulate that kind of thing. And I, I know you went over on the uh, coaches tour. We got to meet each other through Mike Whalen, a mutual friend. And he, ran those coaches tours. Tell me a little bit about that. I think it was 2008. You went over seas, went downrange and visited with a lot of our military with some other. Yeah, coaches. I actually went twice, went 2008 and then 2009 and had a great time. Uh, you know, we went to, uh, we flew on a KC-135 refueler. Uh, it was, a, it was a built 1961. I don't know how many thousands, tens of thousands of miles we traveled. We're going about a week and a half and we went through Bayron and, and Cutter and, and uh, went to uh, Iraq and Baghdad and stayed in one of Saddam's palaces. Uh, his two ki- two boys they call the Hunting and Fishing Lodge, and and uh, you know went to Djibouti, Africa, uh, Istanbul, Turkey. We just went everywhere, but just flying around about four or five coaches, going meeting the troops at the bases and talking to them. This was back during the the Iraqi War, and it was going it was going yeah. pretty hard back then, and. And uh, we appreciate President Bush and President Obama giving us the opportunity to do that. But hopefully we put smiles on faces of, of troops. And I, I run into them now here in the States. Now, after gone, what, 10, 12 years ago, I'll run into somebody. Coach, I, I met you at uh, at uh, uh, Bahrain, uh, you know, in the, in the Emirates uh, uh, 10, 12 years ago. We appreciate you coming over. It's, it was a great time. We went to a, a carrier and uh, stayed at night and, and watched how those Marines uh, loaded on and off of these big troop carriers. It it was a great deal, not just for the troops, I don't think, but it, it for me to go over to see kids that were the same age as the ones I was coaching over there in harm's way. And, and, and I'd go back and talk to our players and show them clips and videos of what we did. And, and, and I'd always say, you're over complaining about the food in the cafeteria. And look what these young men and women your age are over there doing right now. Uh, you got it pretty good over here. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You could easily relate to those young men because they're just like, like you said, the the players that you had when you when you came back. Did your guys understand that your players were they able to comprehend what was going on there and the sacrifices those young men were putting forth? Overseas? I think they do uh, to some degree. You know, when you're 18 to yep. 22 years old, I mean, you, uh, life is kind of a blur for you because everything's fun and you really don't have anything, uh, any stress on your life. Uh, they think they do, but they really don't. They don't understand. They're not out paying taxes yet and working for Uncle Sam and raising a family and going through the 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 problems. But the good times also raising raising a family now. But, uh, uh, you know. A lot of our kids, they, 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 I think they understood. We had some in ROTC, so they, they obviously understood it. Yeah, I think you bringing that message back home uh, was probably real important to helping them. So you've, uh, you've turned your passion for football and your success is there, and now you're looking to do, move towards public service, working to be the next senator for the state of Alabama. What, uh, what motivated you to want to do that, Tommy? You know, I, I guess all my life, Patrick, even coaching, I've, I've always had that empty feeling of not giving back to the greatest country on the face of the earth, which is the United States of America. And uh, missed the military because, as you said, missed it because a year or two of Vietnam. 
And then I get into coaching and do that for 35 years. But I've always had that empty feeling. I told my wife about 10 years ago, when I get out, I'm going to do something. I'm going to serve somehow. Well, moving back to Alabama, thought about running for governor. And then we got a situation now where I feel like I can win this Senate position. It's a U.S. Senate position. You have to, you go to obviously go to D.C. There's only 100 U.S. senators. Yep. And I want to get back. Uh, if I didn't think I was the best person for this job, I wouldn't do it. But I've had a job. I know what's going on in education. I've been in homes all all across the country, rich, rich, poor, middle class. I've been in businesses. I see how strong this country is in some places and how weak it is in the others. You know, we we got a bunch of career politicians that quit listening to the American taxpayers years ago, and they're about to give this country away. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to help. Uh, I've been uh, I've been. Uh, uh, given the opportunity to go around all of the state many times in my life, even before campaigning. Now I've been running for about a year. I've been endorsed by president Donald Trump. Uh, he's on my team now and, uh, I got a great opportunity to win this July the 14th is the primary runoff. I now won the primary, but I didn't have enough votes not to have the runoff. And, and then the regular election is in November, but I want to get back, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, this, this, this country, we've kind of lost sight of, of we, the people, uh, and that's what our constitution, first three words, we, the people, and for some reason, our, our, uh, politicians in Washington, they, they forgot about the people. It's about them instead of the people. And I want to go help people of this state in Alabama and, and then go up and, and help president Trump continue to make this country great. Well, it's, it's obvious coach through your career and, you know, the things you've won there that, that you know how to succeed, know how to win know how to get up every morning and go to work. What's what drives Tommy Tuberville? What, you know, throughout your life, what, what gets you going every morning said, I, I got to go do something. You know, I've never had a bad day in my life uh, because I, I remember <laughs> and I understand how fortunate when you're born in this country, I don't care if you're rich or poor. Uh, if you're born in this country, you get the lottery. And, and I told myself yeah. a long time ago, I'm going to take advantage of every day I'm on the face of the earth. Now I've been fortunate. Uh, I've, I've had success in coaching, uh, uh financially, uh, my family and I are in good shape. The money I'm going to make when I go to Washington, DC, I'm going to give back to the veterans of the state of Alabama. I truly believe in veterans. I'm not taking a salary. I think this should be a, a voluntary job to serve, uh, your country. And, uh, so, uh, I, I love it. I really do. And and we're having problems right now in a lot of areas. We've got a lot of division, but even with all the problems that we're having, even the pandemic that we got going on right now, this is still much better than any other place on the face of the earth. And I want to be a part of bringing it and keeping this thing as strong as we possibly can and hand it off to the next generation. Or we must have uh, gone to different schools together, Tommy, because that, that talk about winning the lottery, I've had, the blessing to travel to what 28 countries now with football teams from a lot of small colleges, some bigger colleges, some high schools. And wherever you go, that's what I tell these young men. I said, look around you. There's some amazing things, amazing people everywhere in the globe, but you were born in America. You hit the lottery right at that moment. Exactly. And uh, I, th I don't think enough people understand that you should have to go, go and, and uh, you know, do a little, uh, mission work or whatever overseas in some of these places. And it's, it's really sad how they live. And that's the reason if the stronger we are in this country, the more we can help other countries. 
and I think that the American taxpayer has done a great job of that over the years because it's the taxpayers of this country that have paved the way for this country to have the success that we've had. Yeah, yeah no, no doubt. Tommy, as we're, we have a lot of students right now who are out of school that are trying to, you know, distance learn. We've got student athletes having to train on their own. We got parents, you know, that are maybe overwhelmed because they got all their kids at home. How about for, for a young a youngster that's out there trying to figure out why should I get up and go get it today? How about a, a couple words of uh, encouragement? From you know, Tommy this country Tuberville. gives you every opportunity, but that's the only thing it gives you. It owes you one thing when you're born in this country, an opportunity. If you'll take advantage of it, if you'll set a goal, a GPS to a goal that you want to achieve, you can do it. I was a young, skinny kid from Arkansas, that very average athlete, and I played. I had a great time around friends in high school and college. I was very fortunate. I was on some very great coaching staffs with great people and, and then was become a head coach and did all that. And after 40 years now, I'm on the verge of becoming a U.S. United States senator. And this country gives you an opportunity to do what you want. You go earn it. You go earn it. Nobody's going to give it to you. It's those that have work ethic, wisdom, not, not, you don't have to be brilliant. Just have wis wisdom, common sense, and the work ethic towards that goal. And you can, you can achieve anything you want in this country. That's what this country owes you an opportunity. Coach, Coach Tubber, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm ready to go work out. <laughs> Let's go do it. <laughs> I better Let's go. All right, Tommy Tuberville, thanks a lot for joining me. And if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with your friends. Thank Let's go, you. Tommy. God bless.